Uh, welcome. My name is Jason Watson with WCG Incorporated, and I guess we're rocking the handheld mic today. Uh, Joseph Bassett with uh, WCG as well as Rachel uh, Weber. Um, this is a bourbon and business tour podcast, and we're hosted here by Axe and the Oak in Colorado Springs. And real quick, WCG Inc. used to be Watson CPA Group, and we are a tax and accounting firm here in Colorado Springs. Today, we want to talk about some tax deductions right because that seems to be everyone's favorite topic mm -hmm. right certainly yeah people like to make money but they're not paying any taxes <laughs> so um which is great and all we are going to talk about um the car deduction that's always the one that we get all the time especially should I buy the a car should I not buy a car uh we're going to talk about meals joseph did a whole video on that we should have people check that out yeah, yeah. um and then travel that's not as big, but I think the car and the meals is, is the biggest stuff. And then um, in our next segment, after this one, we're going to do home office and then a bunch of goofy ones like country club dues and all the <laughs> other stuff that we get asked all the time. So um, Rachel, tell me a little bit about when somebody calls up and says, hey, Rachel, should I buy a car for my business or not? What are some of the things that are going through your head? Do you need a new car? Do you need a new car? Okay, so you're telling me that we shouldn't buy an asset, a depreciating one at that, just for a tax deduction? No, you okay. shouldn't, yeah. Okay, so the purchase should have an operational necessity to it? Yeah. Okay, all right, so do you need a car? Mm -hmm. Let's say I've convinced myself in needs and wants sort of occupy the same yeah. space in my brain <laughs> <laughs> so i want therefore i need and i have convinced myself that i need a car okay what's your next what's your next thought well who's gonna own it is your business gonna own it or are you gonna own it personally right and that's what i'm asking you what do so, you think i should do what type of driving do you do and how much money are you gonna spend are you looking at a purchase of an eighty thousand dollar car but you only drive Two, maybe 4,000 miles out of the year. Okay. Maybe it would be better if you owned that personally okay. and took the mileage. Okay. Yeah, and that, that's great. So we, we've talked about this before in other segments too, where the bookends, if you will, are if you have an expensive car, high miles, or I'm sorry, expensive car, low miles, mm -hmm. maybe that's best suited in the business because we're going to get depreciation hits just based on time alone, right, of this car aging, might as well make those hits be a tax deduction. Otherwise, we could do a car where we, it's inexpensive and we drive a ton of miles. I'm thinking like Realtor and a Toyota Camry or mm -hmm. something like that. Maybe that's best owned individually and then we take the mileage reimbursement. Uh, reimbursement from the business, exactly. How about all the soft, squishy middle stuff? <laughs> Let's say $60,000 car and you drive 10,000 miles a year. How long do you keep the car for? How long do you keep a yeah. car for? Yeah, are you one of those car recyclers? <laughs> yeah. So what do you think, Joseph? Yeah, same thing. Do you, how long are you gonna keep the car? Because, I mean, if we take depreciation, you're kind of stuck doing actual, right? And half of the mileage rate is made up of depreciation, right? So if we take depreciation, you're stuck doing actual. Right. Now you're only getting half of the actual expenses. So right, but yeah. If you're gonna flip that car every three years, you know, maybe it is good to have it owned by the business. And that is a challenge where if we're keeping the car forever, mm -hmm. even if it's <laughs> expensive, we might be best suited 
to have that car owned individually and take yeah. a mileage reimbursement. Our job as CPAs is not to save you taxes just today. It's to save you taxes, you know, throughout your lifetime or at least through the the you know, foreseeable future. So sometimes people want that immediate tax deduction and we will, well, let's go ahead and pan this out over several years. You'll be better off. So we also leave room for the ego. We all have one. It's okay. But you know, when you say your car is owned by the business, there's a little bit of a sex appeal to that, right? <laughs> when you go to the cocktail party and, oh yeah, well, it's a company write-off for me, you know, like like it's magic money. It's not really real money when it's a company car. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, you're exactly right. Um, let's kind of move on from that. Well, let's talk um, really fast about depreciation. Right now, we're living in this cool world where we can do 100% bonus depreciation on heavy vehicles, right? And, and, and that's defined how? Uh, 6,000 pounds. 6,000 pounds, right? I made the mistake of confusing curb weight with gross vehicle <laughs> weight. And there are some cars there, the curb weight is less than 6,000, but the gross vehicle weight is over 6,000. Mm -hmm. So a technical difference, it is gross vehicle weight, not curb weight. But that allows us to do 100% bonus depreciation, write that car off, deduct 100% of that car in year one. Right. Yeah. What happens if we have a car that's less than 6,000 pounds? We're limited. We're limited. All <laughs> yeah. Right. All right. What's the max? It's not as great. Well, you got 10,000 or 18,000, depending upon whether or not you want to take bonus depreciation. Correct. With yeah, it. exactly. So really, we're looking at 18,000. Most yeah. people are going to want to do the bonus, you know, <laughs> get a little bit of a bird in the hand. Um, what, one of the questions, too, that we commonly are asking the client when we are looking at do we want to depreciate this vehicle as a company asset or get reimbursed by the mile as a personal asset being used for business use is, is this year a great year compared to next year, right? So let's say I go, Rachel, I want to buy a company car. You're like, do you need it? Again, needs and wants occupy the same space in my brain. I say, yes. <laughs> <laughs> and then you say, well, Jason, it's December 31st. Um, is this year an exceptionally good year or will next year be a good year? And if next year is going to be a much more of a bang up year, a higher income year, we would probably just, you know, delay the Postponed purchase. It, right. yeah. That way we can match the deduction against a higher income. So that's another factor that goes into all this as well. So what other things that we get from cars? Leasing versus financing. That's a common <laughs> yeah. one. Yeah. yeah. What else who's, were you going to say? Whose name does the insurance need to go yeah, in? Yeah, that's a big deal. That's a really, really big deal because I think um, just kind of go back to like the basics of rights and obligations and risk of title or I'm sorry, risk of loss and title and all that stuff. For it truly it to be a business asset, it has to be titled in the business's mm -hmm. name, right? What happens to insurance though sometimes? It Just, usually goes up. Yeah. So your insurance agent's like, oh, you have a commercial yeah. policy. You're like... Look, dude, I just drive this around <laughs> like I do any other car. I'm not like on the. I'm not a trucker, you know. Mm -hmm. <laughs> there, but, so, what sometimes can happen is you can title the vehicle in both the business name and you individually as tenants in common, and that allows us then to maybe have some wiggle room. It's titled in the business, yes, <laughs> and maybe from the insurance perspective, it's a. A personal, personal vehicle. vehicle. Yeah. And, 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 you know, folks have to check with their insurance agent on something like that. But that that's another 
big conundrum as well. So can we can we have the company own the vehicle and get reimbursed for the miles? <laughs> no. No. <laughs> and how often do we see that every year? Uh, often. Yeah. 30, 40 times yeah. we'll see auto fuel, we'll see auto insurance, we'll see payment, and then we'll see mileage reimbursement. <laughs> it's like, do you have two cars? And sometimes that happens, mm -hmm. but typically they're double dipping, right? Which is frowned upon. Mm -hmm. Sometimes, yeah. yeah. <laughs> All right, let's move along. Um, Joe, uh, Joseph, you just got done doing a big video on meals. Yes, yeah, right. my favorite subject. His favorite subject, yeah. yeah. I like to eat too. So I have to work out every day because I like to eat. Um, uh, you know, tell me about the, you know, you know, give us a little bit of history. Like what was the rule three years ago? And then talk about how it was in flux for a little bit and then tell us the rule today. Right, so you know, we're kind of back to the same place it was three years ago. So deducting 50% of your meals. Um, Entertainment is gone now though, and then it was kind of in flux for a little bit when the Tax Cuts and Jobs Acts came out in 2017 because, you know, nothing against them, but it looked like it was written in crayon, so. It was written in crayon. Yeah, so. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, you know, they kind of reissued it and cleaned it up a little bit so it was, uh, you know, legible, and uh, <laughs> then we interpreted that so that we could tell, you know, clients, you know, what they can and cannot deduct now. Yeah, so the old rule is now today's rule minus entertainment, like you say. Right. Um, the old rule is and still is now where 50% of the meal is deducted provided that you are meeting with a business associate, let's say. And the meeting has to be for business purposes. The meal is just secondary. Now, in reality, probably not, but that's how the code is wants you to, to, to think. Hey, we got together to discuss business. Oh, and we, by the way, had a meal, right? But yeah, Section 274 was butchered badly with the Tax Cuts and Jobs Act. Um, they didn't change that section. It still is just as bad as it ever was from the Tax Cuts and Jobs Act, but the IRS came out with a, a notice because the AICPA, us professionals, business owners were all like, well, what are we doing? <laughs> yeah. So they basically came out and said, it took them five pages to say this, but it says, hey, old school is new school, <laughs> so don't worry. So tell me a little bit about entertainment. What happened to entertainment, Rachel? It's no longer tax deductible, what? so it's all personal. So I can't take you to a baseball game? Do you like baseball, by the way? I do not like sports, I'm sorry, but... Wow, that's yeah. like me at a baseball game. Yeah. <laughs> that's some fine print I, on the profile yeah. that I overlooked. <laughs> But you okay. could, you know, maybe buy a meal at a sporting event if it's separate and still get a partial deduction if it's a business, you yeah, know. Exactly. So we and that's the example the IRS uses. Hey, taxpayer A takes taxpayer B. No one has names. You know. So <laughs> Mike takes Bob to a baseball game and buys him a hot dog. The tickets for the game, no, the hot dog, yes. Mm -hmm. So uh, provided that again there's a business um, purpose, purpose for that yeah. meeting and stuff so talk to me about disguised entertainment what are your thoughts on that <laughs> are you talking about staff functions well disguised entertainment <laughs> where uh the price of the meal is so exorbitant oh. it includes entertainment yeah it's not supposed to be lavish yeah either, like right? these baseball tickets are free but the hot dogs are like a hundred bucks <laughs> 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 so we can't do that either no. so uh how about the de minimis stuff, the office stuff, all that. How's that work? If it's for your employees, yes, then it's tax deductible, and it, okay. there is At no. What rate? 
there is no limit if it's on your premise. Right. Yeah. yeah. And it's for your employees. For right. the public, maybe it's part advertising. Then you have a regular 50% business purpose. Okay, perfect. So Tina, in her, in her benevolence, wakes up one day and decides to buy us some pizza so we can work through lunch. Mm-hmm. Right. So we can get more things done. Because oh. that's her motivation. Right. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, that's 100%, right? Mm-hmm. Coffee and donuts. Sure. 100%. How about um, parties, like picnics and all that stuff? Mm-hmm. 100% as well, right? So things that you know, promote goodwill and all that stuff. Um, you, know, you know, those are 50%. But like when you talk about picnics and all that stuff, that's different. So great. Talk to me a little bit about this guy Sutter. Right. He's a very ambitious man. Um, he tried to... Ex- Dr. Sutter. Dr. Oh. Sutter. Right. Yeah, we have to make sure yeah. we Gotta get that title, title correct. correctly. Yeah. Um, but he attempted to essentially write off every meal that he had as a deductible business meal and he now has a rule named after him because of that. Yeah, so he was uh, um, clever, I guess, and maybe audacious is a fine line between those two. Uh, But yeah, he just made every meal that he had with the business associate, so he never ate alone. (laughs) (laughs) You know, so, and the IRS basically said, look, you can't have substantially all your personal expenses being business deductions, it doesn't make sense. So, and we talk about unreasonableness, mm-hmm. right? Those are all disallowed. He probably had some that were legitimate, but because he was so unreasonable and so audacious, they just said disallowed all. Yeah, uh, I have to look at the court, but or the court case, but yeah, it was pretty bad. Um, no entertainment. We've we've you know, kind of gone over that. Tell me a little bit about travel meals. We have a lot of business owners who say. Hey, I drive around all day. So they, they're a sales rep for Big Pharma, right? I whip through Chick-fil-A, you know, and grab me a chicken sandwich. What do you say to that? If you didn't travel, would you have to eat lunch anyway? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. When, when, how could they convert that travel? Or what type, I should say it differently, what type of travel would they have to do to make that business meal, to make that meal a business meal? A business meal? I think you're looking at long distance travel where you're... Overnight rest. Yeah. 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 Substantial rest. Yep. So yeah, so they travel far enough where they need substantial rest. Now that becomes a business Mm -hmm. meal, deductible at 50%. But yeah, (laughs) people are like, I have to, I drive around all day and I have to eat. I'm like, well, yeah. kind of like you said, (laughs) if you didn't have to drive around, would you still have to eat? Well, yeah. Okay. So, um, no, that's great. Let's, let's kind of move on here to travel. Um, you know, travel gets kind of interesting as well. And we're going to just kind of focus on domestic travel. I think international with their one week rule and all that Mm. stuff. We don't really see a lot of that, um, with the clients that we serve, but talk to me about, um, travel deductions in general, Rachel, is the IRS happy with those? Uh, No. (laughs) (laughs) You say that so quickly. <laughs> right. There's a lot going on with travel deductions that maybe doesn't have a business purpose. So, okay. You know, it, it, if you're incorporating your travel along with your vacation, your right. family, you know, you got to think about what is the valid business purpose when right. you're taking you and your four kids along. Yeah. My dad got in trouble because he, he would drive from uh, Madison to Keystone to go skiing. He took all of us mm-hmm. and he would write it off through the business because he was looking to expand out here. <laughs> and he got audited and, and, and lost as he should. So I learned that lesson quickly when I was like 13. So, <laughs> <laughs> But yeah, so absolutely it has to have a business purpose to the travel. Can you do some 
some personal things though mm -hmm. in your travel okay so give me an example of, of one i'm thinking like 25 percent of the time if it was um not business purpose would probably be acceptable for your travel so if you had to go to a convention in las vegas and at the same time you're bringing your family members to las vegas and they're going to do their own thing there sure then there is a business purpose your time is spent doing that business purpose so a um a business deduction is going to be available to you right you know on the travel for you for yeah yeah mm -hmm. the hotel who knows might have to split that up mm -hmm. you know there the irs the way i read it is that if your business trip is more than 50 percent oh. for business then the cost of travel is deductible but uh, we were in an audit the client wasn't ours we didn't do the tax return but i was retained to help with the audit and um, the, the, the guy had a receipt from United Airlines showing like $1,800 for, for some you know, flights between here and there. And the agent, um, and she's now retired, she was great down there at, at the IRS office here on Circle in Colorado Springs, but she was like, well, can I see their, the actual tickets? I was like, why? We, we got a credit card statement, we got this thing from United saying, we, we got all the things you need. She goes, I wanna make sure he wasn't traveling with his family. I'm like, okay, fair, fair enough, you know, <laughs> and uh, he wasn't, he just bought a very expensive first, you know, first class ticket. But anyway, it was very interesting, like you said, that, hey, you can deduct some of this stuff, yeah. but, you know, um, let's, you talk about like, you know, you know, let's say you go to that Las Vegas convention on a Thursday and you also are going to do some meetings in Las Vegas on Monday, but Saturday and Sunday, you're on your own. What does the IRS say about that? I would assume that your convention and your trip on Monday is a business deduction. And if you're looking at 50%, then you've got Friday, Saturday, and Sunday, three days. So it might not qualify. Right. However, if you can demonstrate that going home would have been inconvenient or too expensive. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So as I read it, that Saturday and Sunday is fully deductible for lodging and 50% for meals like you normally would get just because, yeah, you saddled business on the front and back end. And three out of five of those days were business related. So mm -hmm. then the travel is also deductible. So anyway, that, you know, those are kind of some, some interesting examples. Yeah. You know, somebody spends an extra day somewhere to see their mom. Um, uh, we've had folks that have traveled to their rental and usually their rental is somewhere where they used to live, right? That's mm -hmm. how most people make rentals. They lived in a house, couldn't sell it, made it into rental. And they go back to check on their rental, maybe fix some tile or whatever, but they also see mom and dad because mom and dad live in the same city. Well, okay, what's the purpose of the trip? Mm -hmm. Please yeah. tell me that it's <laughs> the rental. The and rental. That seeing mom and dad for lunch was incidental. <laughs> yeah. yeah, exactly. So um, spouses and kids, you know, that gets really murky when we start adding spouses to the payroll you know we add kids to the payroll now if they have a legitimate business purpose great and then we can also bring them along you know on our travels that's awesome mm -hmm. but people who have their spouses tag along without a business purpose we got to back up those expenses right so um record keeping you did a whole all right. Blog post on yep. record keeping. Yep. So you're a record keeping expert. Yes, I, I would say so. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
Uh, tell us about record keeping. Yeah, so really the two big parts to record keeping is you need a record, obviously, and then you need something to document the expense. So, you know, the record can be a journal, an Excel spreadsheet, but then that documentary evidence, you know, it's got to be something to prove it. So bank statements, like you said, depending on what it's for, like, like that auditor said, you know, she wanted to see that ticket to see what's in there. Same thing if you go to Walmart, right? right. If I spend 200 bucks at Walmart, is that all office supplies or you know is there are there some diapers in there so right. that's always something that we go back and forth on yep no exactly so the record is that log mm -hmm. quickbooks excel whatever that's your log and then the documentary evidence has to show date payee business purpose and the amount right mm -hmm. so and you can get away with a little bit of just using your credit card statement um, not for Typically not for travel, mm -hmm. meals, those things are just, IRS wants flat out receipts, period. But everything else, you can sort of introduce some reasonableness, i.e. the Cohan rule, where you can say, look, we're an accounting firm. There's no way we're not gonna buy paper ever. So <laughs> I don't have a paper receipt. You know, I bought a ream of paper at Office Max. It's probably legitimate business deduction. So anyway, well, great. Well, we talked about the biggies that we experienced daily, maybe even hourly. <laughs> I'll have the car conversation probably three times a day sometimes. But we talked about the car, whether whether we should buy it in the business or not. Do we need a car? Yes or no? All those questions. We can help people with that decision easily. We talked about meals. Nothing's really changed there. Old school is new school, just mm -hmm. no more entertainment. Uh -huh. um, and then we talked about a little bit of the travel expenses as well. One thing I did want to say too is that you could travel in on a Tuesday night and have a meal with somebody Tuesday night and then meet with them all day Wednesday, like in business meetings, that meal, because it's nexus to the meetings is so close that it becomes a 50% business deducted meal, even though it might not have a, a, a specific purpose was not business. It was so, so connected to the purpose of you the meetings there. the next yeah. day, exactly. So anyway, Jason Watson for WCG Incorporated. We have Rachel Weber and Joseph Bassett, both tax professionals for us as well. We're here at the Axe and the Oak. They've been gracious enough to host us and super quiet too while you guys are getting ready for <laughs> opening. We should, we should make some more noise, like some blenders and ice and stuff. But anyway, uh, this is a um, part of our bourbon and business tour. And again, we thank you for joining us and we'll talk to you real soon.